It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, I'm kind of flying solo again today because Rich, Rich, my son, is in Washington at a conference. I'll tell you what it is, is the Values Voters Summit in Washington, D.C. I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Perkins and all that. Well, Rich is there, along with some of our other staff members. So here I sit alone, but I'm not alone. That's the point. I'm not alone because two gentlemen are here in the studio with me, and we are going to have a good time talking. Uh, let me introduce the first gentleman, Pastor Stephen Broden, B-R-O-D-E-N. And I first met you, sir, would it have been 10, 12, 15 years ago, something like something that? Something like that. And uh, Pastor Broden pastors a church in Dallas, Texas, but he is involved in many, many other things as well. And, uh, and then Pastor Jason Porter in the Kansas City area. I put it that way because this broadcast now is going to be heard across the whole network. But let's start out also talking about what's happening tomorrow, which will be Saturday. In Kansas City, there's going to be a conference. I'm going to ask Pastor Jason Porter here to tell us about it because it's going to be at your church. Yes, thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. It is specifically called Unveiling Sharia, which was a word that the Lord gave me about the Sharia seduction. And so uh, begins, kicks off at 9 o'clock till, till 2. But there's been a, an interesting dynamic with the believers um, and the compromise when it comes to the faith. And uh, I think I kind of was really taken aback by some of the compromises and the challenges of the basic things of the gospel being just completely abandoned or wiped away for the sake of, quote, unquote, tolerance. Or we could say political correctness. Political correctness. Or in the day, uh, and, and Jesus says in Matthew 23, 24, that uh, they choke on a gnat and they, they swallow a camel. So the things that should be a big deal to them are not a big deal, but the things that aren't a big deal have then become a big deal. And so what I've noticed, like the big deal of like, well, the death, the burial, the resurrection of, of Yeshua, Jesus, is that's, that's the priority of the kingdom. So that's why our congregation, 1C22, stands for 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, which says, I've determined not to know anything but Jesus and him crucified. That's the priority, the, the, what I call the kingdom priorities over denominational preferences. So when you have things like Chrislam or you have congregations like basically denying or, or putting aside the, the cross of Calvary for the sake of religious tolerance or political correctness, whatever you want to say, that's their version of basically choking or, or swallowing yeah, a camel. Or kind of like majoring on the minors. Yes. Something yeah. like that. I don't know exactly how to say this or what, because I want the audience to be fully aware because uh, we don't have television. So somehow I want to convey to our radio audience that you gentlemen, do I say African-American? Do I say black American? How is the best way to refer to let the audience know that we have sweet fellowship going on in our studio? Black American for me. Black American. Mm-hmm. How about um, you? I'm a, I'm a, I, I refer to myself as a Nebrew. Like a, a, oh, is a that Negro right? Negro Hebrew. No, just kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, it actually has to deal with we, we take our faith because Jesus is Jewish, so we say that we're grafted into Israel. So, All right. uh, yeah, I'm from <laughs> an African-American culture, yes, but we recognize that and he is of the tribe And the church where the conference is going to be tomorrow, remember, folks, that will be Saturday, is at 87th and Metcalf. No, that's at 7700 
West 75th Street. All right, write it down, folks. You're going to want to go because we're going to tell you a little bit more about it here. Uh, it's tomorrow starting at 9 o'clock. Starts at 9. And it is, give me that address one more time. It's 7700 West 75th Street. Now, 1C22 is our congregation. We rent from the congregation that, that First Assembly of God Church is actually the building that we rent from on Saturday because we have a Saturday night service oh, there. I see. All right. Well, good. Now, who's all going to speak there? Because Frank Gaffney uh, mm-hmm. is a powerful speaker, mm-hmm. and he's one of the speakers. And, of course, Pastor, Ste- uh, uh, Pastor Stephen Broden is one of the speakers. Mm-hmm. But who else is going to be speaking? Um, I will— William J. Federer will be speaking, and I, I also will be speaking oh, there, too. Now, our audience knows Bill Federer because he has America's Minute on Bot mm-hmm. Radio Network forever. If there ever was a historian of of any anything you want to talk about, Bill Federer has got it nailed. So he's one of the speakers. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have a wonderful conference, and it starts at 9 in the morning. It'll continue on then. Do they bring their lunch? Or, or? Yes, there will be a break for, for lunch. And then at the end of the conference, the last half hour, there'll be like a panel. All right. Remind me to give that address again for tomorrow. Now we got to go back to the whole network because, gentlemen, well, let me start, turn back to you then, Pastor Broden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pastor a church in Dallas, and then you are known as a national speaker in all these other subjects all over the country. How do you feel about today for the Christian community who read the Bible, and they go to church, and yet they can be very confused about the issues we face as Americans, and more importantly, as Christians. I guess that's kind of an open-ended question. Well, certainly, I I think it's a question that's worth answering, and I think we as Christians in America today need to recognize what's going on in our culture. But I want to, first of all, say that there, we've got to make a distinction, uh, that there's a difference between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. The two are not the same. And so oftentimes when we think of identifying Christianity in America, it, it's defined around cultural Christianity. And the distinction is that those who are biblical are doing it as defined within the Word of God. Uh, the compelling reason why we do what we do is based upon the directives given to us within God's Word. For those of us who are Christians, biblical Christians, as we observe the culture, we recognize that what God has told us about and prepared us for in terms of, of a predictive Scripture is that we're in the middle of a, a titanic spiritual conflict of a magnitude that is biblical inside. And it is spiritual. It's spiritual. And so we're, we're seeing this unfold before us as it has been defined within the Word of God. So we're not caught off guard by it. We are aware of the fact that this is going on. And for those of us who are attempting to represent the kingdom of God as salt and light agents of that kingdom, are standing in the public square and declaring uh, the truth of God's Word to those who are in power. To the extent that we have a platform to do that, but we're living in a time when cultural Marxism, you call it political correctness, uh, he calls it tolerance, but the bottom line, it's cultural Marxism. That whole idea of political correctness was developed out of the school, of the Frankfurt School in Germany in 1933, where they saw that their philosophy had trouble winning the influence of the people 
because of two things, Christianity and the practice of Christianity in the culture. So they said, we've got to get rid of it. And the way to get rid of it is to, um, I, I would say, to begin to envelop into their philosophy the idea of infiltration. Antonio Gramsci was a, a, a Marxist philosopher in Italy. He says, we will never defeat the West through guns and struggle, armed struggle. He said, but we will defeat them through infiltration. And as a result of that, they created this doctrine, political correctness or Marx, uh, Marx, cultural Marxism, which embraces our idea of morality and redefines it and use it as a battering ram against Christianity. And so now we see it playing out today in the public square as they are embracing the idea of tolerance as a moral directive to allow people to have their way of life because it's the right thing to do. And they believe it. And they absolutely believe it. See, Mm -hmm. you know, you always have the charlatan who's trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, but but that isn't the whole whole ball of wax, I've thought. People sometimes are very sincere, and they really believe what they're saying. Certainly people, the common laity does, but the power elite knows exactly what they're doing. They're on a mission, and their mission is to undermine the liberty that we have. And in order to do that, they've got to get rid of Christianity. So they're not in this thing thinking that this is the best thing. No, they're using it as an instrument, an instrument, a strategy to marginalize, negate, and to remove Christianity from the public square. And that's what we're witnessing, Dick, right now. Christianity has been removed. Its influence in the public square is virtually gone. And we see that playing out in terms of how our culture has codified immorality, same-sex marriage, redefining gender, and there is no resistance on the part of the church. Why? Because they're under the directives of tolerance and political correctness. I call it cultural Marxism. Yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned one thing. It seems so obvious. It seems so obvious. You know, I often think the rain falls, the sun shines, and gravity pulls. Can we agree on that? And it seems so obvious that God created man and woman and... He created them to to be able to then be the father, a husband and a wife, the father and the mother, and on and on and on. All of a sudden, the last few years, and isn't it also interesting, they start that teaching that nonsense then to the little ones first. I was reading an article. This is being introduced into the first or second grade as far as gender questioning gender transformation from one to the other even for heaven's sake maybe we ought to have a little surgery here to take care of whatever you giving, want to be rather boys than the way God made you. and giving them medication yeah. and that kind of well, stuff. Let, let, that, let me share this well, with you. How many quickly. it was just a short mm-hmm. few, time ago that anyone would say, well, you, well you're you're really crazy now because no one thinks that and yet now everybody thinks it and you even have pastors in the pulpit that don't want to address the subject. So you've got kids going to grade school uh, being being shattered as to their pre uh, thoughts about themselves and others that are then taught to behave and pay attention to your teacher because she knows best whatever the teacher tells you, of course. So then you got to be careful where you're sending your kids to school, isn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to this idea of cultural Marxism, because I think this is the is the the oil, or what, what we say, the fly in the buttermilk. The fly in the buttermilk. A political correctness. I'm reading from a, an article that was created, "The Root of Political Correctness" by yeah. William Lynn. And he says this, political correctness is cultural Marxism. Marxism translates, uh, translates from economic into cultural terms. Its history goes back to the, ni- not to the 1960s, but back to 1914. Uh, Marxist theory says that if a major war breaks out in Europe, the workers of every country would join together in a revolution to overthrow capitalism and replace it with international socialism. But when war came, they di- it did not happen. And they begin to analyze this and say, why did this didn't happen the way we had predicted that it would happen? Because Christianity was in the way. The people had a value system that was based upon a Judeo-Christian ethic and they did not turn to capital, uh, to socialism. So they said, we've got to do something about this. And that's how cultural Marxism was born and political correctness. And they're using it as a hammer today in America to transform our nation, which was founded on Judeo-Christian, her- on a Judeo-Christian heritage. And they're using it to marginalize, negate, and to remove it from the public square. And that's what we're witnessing right now, to answer your question. What's going on? Christianity is being relegated to the, the human scrap heap of philosophies. And those who resist it are silent because they don't want to step forward and challenge the prevailing thought of some ridiculous thing they know is wrong, and their silence becomes an affirmation of what is taking place. Precisely. That's Political correctness is, the, yeah. is controlling the thought processes. We're seeing, not through the lens of our faith, as we should, every Christian ought to process his reality through the lens of his faith. I see as he sees, I know as he has made known, and I do what he calls me to do. However, when you introduce the fly in the buttermilk, which is political correctness, people now see through the lens of political correctness. And that's what I see as the greatest concern. When we quote the Hosea 4, 6, that my people it's, it need mu ami, specifically in the possessive case, my people are destroyed for lack of yeah. knowledge. And so when the scripture tells that judgment begins at the house of God, it's one thing to be beat. It's another thing to let someone beat you. And my greatest concern is not that we're just Oh, we understand we're not ignorant of the of the the devil is a good adversary. That's what he's supposed to do. My greatest concern is that we as the believers, the salt and light, are not being the salt and light we're supposed to be. We're not confronting. The cross is confrontational. Everything about the kingdom of God is confrontational. The kingdom of God suffers violence, the violent take it by force. If we have that I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail. That's an offensive position. And because we're always on the retreat, we're always refusing to to come and decapitate Goliath, what happens is Goliath and his brothers are taking all the territory from us. Oh, brother, uh, when you just now said that, it reminds me of something I heard. I think it was from my own son, Rich. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail. It kind of, a lot of people think that means take a defensive stand and try and resist. But what it really refers to, they can't, they it's the can't. Offensive. It's an offensive stand. Mm-hmm. The gates of hell will be torn down if a people will just stand up and move forward. And that's what that scripture refers to. It's both and. It's both and. It's both offense and defense. For them not to prevail means that they are tempting 
to come in and to destroy. Mm-hmm. So we've got to fend them off and at the same time advance the kingdom of God. For God called mm-hmm. us to do both. Mm-hmm. Right. So I stand a, as a defense in my family. Uh, no one can come in that door and attack my daughters and my son and my wife. they got to come through me. But at the same time, I'm offensive in representing the kingdom ideas and concepts such that I'm influencing the public through it. That's not the case now. It's interesting that uh, Jason mentioned uh, Hosea 4 and 6. It says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And it says this, but because you have rejected knowledge. See, there's something else that's going on there. The consequence of not having knowledge is destruction. Why does that happen? Because you have rejected. That means I have made a volitional choice to choose against the purposes of God and the knowledge of God Mm -hmm. to the embracement of doctrines of what Paul calls doctrines of demons. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're facing today. Our public square is flooded with those isms that are antithetical to what we know is true about the scripture. Marxism, Darwinism, socialism, communism, and all those isms were created by men, and all of them are anti-God philosophies. And we have rejected God. He says, because you have rejected me, I will reject you, and I will reject your children. There's a consequence for a lack of knowledge, and it's a a deadly one. I see that very important to... uh, I think the Hosea 4-6 seems to be the, the arena right now because that's why I'm kind of reinstating my the, the position of who has rejected the knowledge. Because, again, an unbeliever, what else is he supposed to do? But he's specifically rebuking the people of God who are rejecting the knowledge because we're the ones who are supposed to bring the knowledge. And the rest of the verse say that you shall not be a priest to me. So now we're abdicating our positional priesthood role to intercede and intervene yeah. in this dark world. You know, as I ponder this— and I do a lot of that at my age. <laughs> but as I ponder this, you know, salvation by grace through faith plus nothing. Now we got a babe in Christ. Now we got a babe in Christ. This Christian little person, whatever their age may be, <laughs> is born again. Except then they must grow and they must be discipled. Mm-hmm. And they must develop the muscles and the strength that comes with maturity as a Christian. And that is what we fail in doing effectively. And so we have then people that have been Christians for 30 years, but they're really running around little babies. Absolutely. Paul, right, Paul rest- talks about that in Hebrews chapter 5 and, four, and verse 14. He says, but solid food is for the mature mm-hmm. who because of practice, train their senses to discern good and evil. That's not happening right now Mm -hmm. because we are about an inch deep and a mile wide in our Christianity in America, and we've been caught up in the philosophies that have influenced the church. Name it and claim it. Believe it and receive it. Call it and haul it. All this stuff is antithetical to what God called us to, and we're embracing the world to the detriment of the of the power of God operating today in the world to influence the world against the forces of darkness. Okay, before we go any further now, one more time for the Kansas City people. That's tomorrow, which is Saturday at 9 o'clock. There's going to be a, a day from 9 in the morning until when? Two. Until 2 in the afternoon. You're going to have an array of speakers. So if you want to come and learn, and it'll be on various subjects, won't it? Frank Gaffney, of course, he's talking about radical Islam, things of that sort. But I'm telling you, if you want to bring your Bible and you want to do a little, have, have, a, 
have a feast. I was going to say have a picnic <laughs> and the word of God and good common sense right out of the Bible. This is a feast and you may want to take it up. But you know, gentlemen, I would like to do programs like this for our whole network from time to time because uh, this is what people really need. Uh, now, Pastor Jason, let me turn to you for a moment. You're a young man compared to me for sure, but i you are, and, and I have do. friends. Just a couple who, of years, just a couple of years. <laughs> I have very godly friends who attend your church, and they've told me about your ministry. How did you become a Christian? I was born again. Yeah, June. Get right into your mic. I was, I was, <laughs> uh, I was born again May 6, nineteen ninety. I was here from uh, you know was adopted at the age of four. I kind of was the nominal uh, cultural Christianity that that. Uh, 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 when you said Mr. you were Brogue adopted at the age of four, yes. there were parents who adopted you. Yes. And so— um, In other words, your mother gave you life, and then other parents adopted you. Yes. Okay. So that's why I get the whole being adopted into Israel, grafted into Israel thing, yeah. because I literally live that. You know, someone else that was not my— Where'd you get your Bible knowledge? I was— <laughs> I never went to Bible college, and so I always knew that I'd start learning Hebrew. So I went to I, I went to a Jewish community center. The teacher saw that I was taking it seriously. She happened to be teaching at UMKC and that's, KU, so and she allowed me to go to her classes because I didn't have money. So I was just audited them, or whatever. So that began my 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 uh, Hebrew journey. But as far as the actual text itself, I just read, 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 and read, and read. And studied, and studied, and studied, and studied. And studied, studied, so and studied. Uh, read, and read, and read, read, and be, you were thinking while you read, and then tested it to see if those things were so. Yes, the best hermeneutic. I always loved that, you know, what was that, the, the people of, what was it, the people in the Bible, the people of Berea, that was it. Mm -hmm. The people of Berea were more noble, Paul said, than their brethren because they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. I love that because what they were saying about those people, even when they heard the Apostle Paul say it, they wanted to look it up and confirm it. Yes. And that's what made them more noble than the brethren. And that's the hope that we have for this epidemic of this new believer or these people that believe in Jesus but don't believe what Jesus believes. What did Jesus believe? Jesus believed what Moses and the prophets had already written. And so the six, Luke 6.46 where he says, why do you call me Lord if you don't believe what I do what I tell you to do? And that's the problem that we're having with the infiltration that's happening where people are saying, I believe in Jesus, but they don't really believe what he actually believes. Yeah. And I want to mention, too, our listener comment line, because I know some of you are going to want to call this and leave your comments, uh, is 800-345-2621, 800-345-2621. I know my voice is kind of raggedy now, but it's better than it was a couple of weeks ago. There's a song I want to hear right now. On each face 
seems that you cannot receive until you This is Dick Pott with this chapter of the complete story as a public service. I'll see you later.